The Bible lesson for today is written in the sixth chapter of Mark, beginning with verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them, and they ran ahead on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on the crowd, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to Jesus, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and, and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in the grass in groups. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up at heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And the crowd ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning again, everyone. Thanks. Great to be here with you this morning. It's fun to be all together here on what we call an experiment Sunday. Experiment means that we're trying stuff, we're learning stuff. It guarantees that we'll do stuff wrong because that's how you learn. And so thanks for your grace and grace with one another also, an opportunity for us to learn and grow. But for those of you who may be new around here, uh, this actually is a little bit different than what we do every Sunday, but we're learning something new that we believe God is leading us toward. If you are new here, my name is Steve. I'm one of your pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here. I hope that you have already felt loved and welcomed here among our church family and that you continue to feel that way the rest of this morning. We read a passage this morning, and we are learning from a passage where Jesus encounters people who are tired in all kinds of different ways, who are beaten up and beaten down by the world and tired from the circumstances of their lives. And he meets them in all these different circumstances, I think, and helps them and leads them in different ways. As I was reading this passage and reflecting on it, I was was sort of strangely reminded of an old concert album that I used to listen to when I was a college student. And I'm going to show the mercy of sparing both you and I the details on that concert album. But I remember this. I remember at one point the, the lead singer in this folk rock band, told a story about a conversation he'd had with his grandfather once. His grandfather was getting on in years and I think perceived himself to be maybe nearing the end of his time on this earth and said to his grandson, 
He said, you know, there's, there's two kinds of tired. There's bad tired and there's good tired. And I feel like I'm good tired and I'm ready to go home. And I thought about that here in this passage with the different characters who are tired in different ways. And I think probably there's more than two kinds of tired. I think there's probably more than two. Maybe you experience enough tired to go all the way around and have lots of different kinds. And I think what we're going to find is a savior. We find Jesus who meets us in a whole variety of our life's circumstances and heals us, saves us, and leads us in just the way that we need. And I want to begin by inviting you to enter into the experience of this story, kind of in the middle of the story, where are the, there are these crowds. There's this huge crowd that is coming for Jesus, knowing that they need him, and they're so desperate for Jesus that when they find out that he and his disciples have gotten into a boat on Lake Galilee, we usually call it the Sea of Galilee, but I got to see it once, and you can see it all the way across it. So now I call it Lake Galilee. <laughs> they, went, they saw that he and his disciples were getting on the boat, and they were sailing to a different point down shore, and they just, like, we can't let him get away. We need this guy. And, you know, rumors travel faster than the speed of light, so word leaps from village to village, and the people go running down the lake shore, and they get to the place where Jesus is going before he and his disciples even get there. And Jesus gets out of his boat, and he sees this crowd that is so hungry for him, and he sees them, and the Bible says that he has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Um, how many of you are professional shepherds? Anybody here? Do you work as a shepherd in Dublin somewhere here in Upper Arlington? No, we zoned that out a long time ago, right? You, you can imagine maybe sheep without a shepherd are a little bit directionless. They're uh, a little bit helpless, a little bit protectionless, a little bit hungry. They have a lot of needs. It sure just conjures up that image to begin with. You imagine these people who are coming to Jesus for healing, who are struggling with the pain and the sickness of their bodies. I don't need to make you raise your hands and show hands. How many of you know what it feels like to struggle with sickness and pain in our bodies or those of people that we love? I imagine these are people who are stricken with grief in many ways. This is a crowd of thousands of people. Many of them are probably grieving for loved ones who, are, who, who they now miss in the struggles of this life. We know what that feels like around here. Most of us, all of us know what that's like. Even in the last week of the life of this congregation, we've had more than one, for more than one funeral. About a thousand people, I think, came through the visitation and the service late this last week. These are people who are struggling with the brokenness of this life, with chaos and injustice in their leadership, in their government. We don't know anything about that in our world, but they did way back then. The story right before them is the story of King Herod, who is this immoral, unjust, petty tyrant who has just exercised some grave personal violence. These are people who are beaten down and beaten up by life in a whole variety of ways. And Jesus sees them and he feels for them. He's moved for them. He has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd, right? But this image isn't only something that we can just imagine probably what that means. This is a phrase that actually has really deep resonance in the Bible. It appears in lots of places in the Old Testament. You can look some of these up on your own. I can't go through them all with you right now. Uh, in your handout you got today, there are some notes. You can make notes on this passage right now as we learn. Or you can look some other things up and uh, reflect on them yourself. Or you may want to talk about them with your small group later. One of them, probably the first and most famous place that this occurs in the Bible, is in the life of Moses, who was a great leader of God's people, who lived about a thousand and a half years before Jesus. 
And Moses was getting on in years. He was reaching the end of his life. I think Moses would say that he was good tired from serving God in his life. But God told Moses, you've led my people out of slavery. You've led them through the wilderness. But you're not going to be the one who leads them into the promised land. And you're reaching the end of your life. And so Moses prays to God. God, please then, if it's not going to be me, then raise up a leader for these people. Raise up a new leader for these people so that they will not be like sheep without a shepherd, right? This story teaches us to understand that Jesus is, at least in some ways, an answer to Moses' prayer. He is in some way, takes up the mantle of what God had done through Moses for the people now. Moses was most famous for being the great teacher of God's people, the the one who delivered to the people the law of God so they would know how to live in the ways of God. And Jesus didn't come to bring people a new law. He came and told people, follow me. I will lead you into the way of life. And Jesus came to be the great teacher of God's people. Man, do we need that. We need the teaching of Jesus in our lives. We have access to more information and more ideas nowadays than all the generations before us have had altogether. Every time I have a question, I simply say, hey, Google, and then I start asking my question, right? One time, I, <laughs> this is probably not a good idea. One time I was with a group of people and we were curious, and so I asked Google, how big is a Predator drone? And now the, the NSA has got my phones tapped at this point, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> You can, ask, you can ask Siri or Google or Alexa anything you want. We have more information and more knowledge than any generation before us have ever had. And also more wisdom? No, I don't, I don't think so. We are, we are given so many ideas and so much information and so much knowledge. But we need the teaching that leads to life. We need the insight and the wisdom that comes from Jesus. We need his teaching in our lives. Jesus, uh, Moses was the one who led God's Old Testament people out of slavery in Egypt. And Jesus comes, for many of us, not to lead us out of physical slavery, but comes to lead us out of bondage to ourselves, bondage to sin, bondage to patterns of thought and behavior that truly do enslave our lives, that truly do take life from us and from our communities. When Moses prayed this prayer, God did raise up a new leader for the Israelites, some of you may know his name, the, the successor to Moses was Joshua, which I think maybe not coincidentally is actually Jesus' name in Hebrew or Aramaic. They were both Yeshua or Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Here is Jesus, the answer to this prayer, the one who leads the people. Joshua led the people into the promised land, into the land of Israel, into the land of Canaan, across the Jordan River. Jesus comes not to lead us physically, politically, geographically into a new place. But Jesus is the one who leads us into the promised land of life together with God. To lead us from a place where we are afflicted with sin and sickness and even death itself. And Jesus leads us into life together in the presence of God and the life of God that receives and lives in victory even over death itself. Jesus is the good shepherd who sees the sheep who are like sheep without a shepherd. Who are living in a world that takes life from us. And Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep so that we might have life. Thank God for the compassion, the teaching, the leadership, the rescue, and the salvation of Jesus that he gives to us. We are hungry for it. Maybe you can relate to the crowd coming down and searching for Jesus for the needs that each of us has in our lives. Maybe you might also be able to relate, some of us, to these disciples of Jesus who came back to him at the beginning of the story. 
These disciples came back to Jesus, and the story says that they repeated to, they reported to Jesus all that they had taught and all that they had done. That's because Jesus had commissioned them. He had sent them out to do work for him, to carry out the good news and to carry out a ministry of compassion and healing to people in a bunch of villages that Jesus himself was not going to. And they came back to Jesus and reported on this, and they were exhausted. And Jesus saw this in them, that they were tired. They were tired from the serving that he had commissioned them to do. And he said, you got to come away with me. Let's get in this boat here. Come away with me to a deserted place, to a quiet place, and let's get some rest. Because everybody's coming and going. So many people are coming and going, there's not even time to eat. How many of you feel this way right now? Are your lives so crazy? Are you pulled in so many directions that like a terrific meal for you means that there's the comforting glow of golden arches nearby? right? That is what so many of our lives are like these days, right? People are coming and going, and Jesus says, come away with me to a quiet place where we can get some rest. Now, I want you to know something about Jesus' life, his own life, his life with his disciples, that this is utterly normal. Jesus retreats to pray. He retreats to rest. He takes his disciples with him to rest, to spend time with him, to pray. I've spent so many years as a Christian and as a reader of the Bible not paying any attention to these little one-verse summaries that say that Jesus and I was one away to rest because I was so addicted to the action that might come next. Yeah, 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 whatever, you rested. Now what, now what comes after that? But we need to be discipled by Jesus not only into action but also into rest. This is utterly normal. And Jesus takes them away to a quiet place. How many of you, like these disciples, have ever been tired from serving? Have you ever been tired from serving God? Have you ever been tired from serving in the roles that God has given you? Maybe your mind runs right away to kind of some of the obvious examples. Maybe there are ways you've been called into service here within our church community. Or maybe into your neighborhood or into your community. Maybe some of you are tired from the roles that God has called you into in your friendships, from bearing one another's burdens, and sometimes we need each other and we lean on each other, and and it can be tiring. If you're married or if you have children, or uh, for those of you who are children, if you have parents, right, this can be tiring, can't it sometimes? We are tired from serving, and I think it's okay to be tired from serving God sometimes. I'm tired from serving God a lot of times on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) It's okay. God invites us to pour ourselves out for him. But there's a risk, isn't there? There's a risk when tired from serving can tip over into tired of serving, right? And that's a different set of circumstances where we kind of get burned out and pulled apart and dried out and emptied out. And I think one of the very significant things that contributes to getting tired from to tipping over into tired of is when we miss this thing that Jesus did next. When he invited his disciples into a, into a kind of Sabbath rest with him. To come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. So Jesus and his disciples, they get into this boat and they go down the lakeshore. And they get out and they get out of the boat and there's a nice quiet resort available for them. And nobody bothers them for a long time. No, the crowd got there first in this case. Goodness, all these needy people crying out for healing and help, right? And Jesus looks at these sheep without a shepherd and he feels compassion for them as he had compassion for these disciples first and he begins to teach them many things. And his disciples who are in the boat with him say to Jesus after he's taught them, Jesus, you got to send them away. I mean, they're here, they're hungry for you, they want you, but they need to go out into the surrounding villages and buy something to eat. We're stuck out here. 
Now, why do you think the disciples said this? I wonder, was it compassion like Jesus had? I think maybe to some degree it was. Do you think maybe they were really excited about the opportunity that they were now entitled to, to have some time alone with the Lord? And they wanted to send all these bothersome people away? I think maybe it was. I think their motives were probably kind of mixed. Do you know why I think their motives were mixed? Because most of our motives are mixed most of the time, right? My motives are mixed a lot. I know that yours are. I don't entirely trust people who think that they're operating from pure motives all the time. Our capacity for self-delusion is kind of amazing. The disciples, maybe they had a little compassion. They also probably wanted their own time. But Jesus gave the job back to them. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And as you heard in the reading just now, they're like, how are we supposed to do that? Like, we can't afford to go to the villages and buy food. So Jesus says, what do you have? They rummage around in their satchel and they go, five loaves and two fish. That's not going to do anything. Jesus goes, okay, good, I got this. Have everybody sit down in these different groups. And then Jesus looks up to heaven, gives thanks, divides it, gives it to his disciples again to pass out to the people, right? In this case, he has sent them out to do work and they have come back tired and they're going to rest. And then in this case, and I don't think this means in every case, but in this occasion, on this time, the leadership of Jesus in their lives was to press them beyond what they think, what they thought that they had. And he asked them in this case for all that they had, five loaves and two fish. He did not ask them for more than they had, right? Sometimes we think that we're capable of meeting every need of every person all around us. Not only is our capacity for self-delusion amazing, so is our arrogance sometimes. We can't meet every need around us. We gave, the disciples give to Jesus all that they have and what little they had, he multiplied. And he made it to be enough. And he made it abound for everyone, for them and for others. I think there's this tension that we live with as followers of Jesus. There's this tension we live with in the Christian life. Here around our church, we're learning to say that followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, love God and neighbor with soft hearts, engaged minds, open hands, and whole spirits. And there can be this tension in the Christian life between open hands and whole spirits. We're open-handed toward other people. We say, what are you, how can I serve you? How can I lay down my life in love for you? And then I'll do that in this minute, and also this minute, and also this minute, and also this minute. And pretty soon you feel all poured out. You feel all tapped out. You feel all dried up and, and disintegrated, not whole anymore. And on the other hand, Jesus wants for us to live life with whole spirits, to be put back together and, and healed by him. There's this, and I don't think these things exist in balance. Like, okay, no, now let's have, let's have lives that are less Christ-like and sacrificial so we can have more health. Or let's have lives that are less healthy so we can have more sacrifice. I think these things exist together in constructive tension and Jesus gives them both to us in abundance, both open hands and whole spirits both sacrificial love and health together as one. And there's, so, so let me tell you about an instinct I have right now to help you with this. As a teacher, I have an instinct right now to give you the perfect set of principles that will help you know how to apply these things in the Christian life. And there will be three of them that all start with the same letter and they will rhyme because I'm that good. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that. <laughs> truth is, I don't think that's actually the case. I don't think that there's a law to apply. I think what Jesus gives us is the need of our neighbor 
He gives us to one another in all the need that we have for one another to bear one another's burdens together in the love of Jesus. And he gives us his own presence. He gives us himself on whom we depend. And together in community, we try to listen to the spirit of Jesus who cares about our health and our wholeness and also cares about the life of love and sacrifice that we have for one another. And we follow him forward, trusting not that there's a perfect law for us to follow and impose on one another and hold one another to. That's what we do with laws, right? But rather trusting that his will for us is good, that his presence among us is good, and that his leadership and his abundance will provide both for our needs and for the needs of one another and for the needs of the world. So let me just ask you, as you encounter Jesus today, whose story we read in this, in this story, what it is that the living spirit of Jesus might say to you and lead you forward here. It occurs to me that perhaps some of us are like the apostles. We are all tapped out. We are tired from serving and the word of Jesus to you might be, come away with me to a quiet place. There's so much running around. There's so much chaos. There's not even time to eat. Come away and let's have some time for prayer. I mean, that's to a large extent what this service is for. It's to a large extent what our own time with God is for. In a few minutes, we're going to be welcome to this table right here to come into the presence of Jesus. And as he looked up to heaven and gave thanks and broke bread and gave it through his disciples to his people, so also we'll experience this. To be strengthened, to be made whole and sent out into service to one another. Maybe you come to Jesus sort of halfway between the disciples and the crowds. Maybe uh, afflicted by life. Maybe beaten up and beaten down by the circumstances of life. Maybe overcommitted to a thousand things so that you really are enjoying just wonderful dining under the glow of the golden arches. And it's time to say, there is too much in my life. I can't even answer Jesus' call when he says, come away with me to a quiet place. And maybe you're just like the crowd. Beaten up and beaten down sick and hurting, grieving, alone, vulnerable to all the different teachings and ideas that are poured at us from a world that does not give us life but takes life from us. And we are running down the lakeshore, and I invite you, run down the lakeshore to the Lord Jesus who looks at the condition of our lives with compassion, who will teach us his truth and offer us his life and give us the life that is truly life. And so I want to invite you now to turn your hearts with me to Jesus, to come to him in prayer. We're going to lay our sins and our needs and our brokenness before him and hear his word that gives us life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you in so many different ways. We're so tired. We're good tired and bad tired and seven other kinds of tired in between. We're running around directionless like sheep without a shepherd, but you're the good shepherd. And you know what it's like to be us because you came to be with us. And so we come to you trusting in your mercy. We confess our need, our finitude, our brokenness, our dependence on you. We confess even that we have made these problems for ourselves. We confess our own mixed motives, our self-centeredness, our self-concern. Our unwillingness to open our hands to one another. Sometimes opening our hands to one another because it makes us look good. We lay down our sin and our need for you before you and pray for your grace and pray for your forgiveness and pray for your mercy and pray for your healing and pray for your compassion. Jesus, please make us whole. Give us life and lead us on that we may follow you. 
We pray in your name. Amen. Dear friends, to be called sheep is not flattering, but I stand before you as one of them. Please know that when Jesus sees you and me and all of us together in our need, he looks at us and responds to us with compassion. He responds to us with compassion and meets our need. He responds to us and takes our sin from us and separates our sin from us as far as the east is infinitely far from the west. He forgives us our sin and makes us whole. He offers us the bread of life in abundance when we thought there was scarcity. He invites us into his presence and gives us all that we need, life at his table, now and forever. Amen. Praise God.